Um, well, it's, uh, it's good to be with you here all this evening. We uh, begin these three days of Christ's trial, his death, and his resurrection, this kind of central, critical uh, moment in the mystery of our salvation. One of the gifts is that while we enter into this season, apart from our ability to deserve or earn or merit it, Christ invites us here to be patient in following him and be present with him through this moment. To help us understand this greatest mystery of our redemption and salvation, the three texts that we have here this evening are all on eating. The wonderful thing about our faith is, is that because it tries to comprehend an infinite God, it so often exceeds our ability to comprehend it. But it's also one of the most concrete and the simplest things we do together. I wonder sometimes if part of the issue, at least in our world, is not even so much that people can't comprehend the lofty things that we believe, but that they become, like me, so disconnected from those most basic and essential things that we do, like eating. I live in a world where I'm perhaps one of the most ignorant eaters uh, that the world has ever known, so disconnected from its forms of growing and producing and distributing, to, leave, to believe that modern myth that food comes forth from money. The headiest of truths that we believe is, is that we worship a triune God, a God who is three in one, and that oneness is primarily known in the way that God has this total self-offering love. As the Father yields and pours out His Spirit into the Son, who then lifts up all things back to the Father, and then the Spirit, their shared Spirit, penetrates into nothingness to bring us into being, to allow us to be, to live. The funny thing is, is that eating tangibly explains this profound mystery. There's something about eating where it is the very sign, the natural object lesson about who God is and who we've been made to be. When I eat, I eat the flesh of animals and of plants. What was once alive has now surrendered its life so that I, in eating it, may continue to live. The very mundane act of eating is an invitation into the triune life itself to be able to receive the gifts of life and love and also, likewise, to be able to pour out and give back life and love. You could say that created life is God's love made tasteable and given for the good of another and that it summons us to participate, to commune with God. There's also something about eating that's a profound reminder of our mortality, of our own death. We eat to live knowing that without food we would starve and die. Whenever we come to a table, we demonstrate with our stomachs that we are not in and of ourselves self-subsisting gods, but that we are dependent on the many good gifts that God gives us. In eating, we're joined all together into this one membership of all creation under God. I had asked this evening whether or not Alicia might be willing to bake this bread. Um, just as kind of a moment to illustrate all the ways in which eating ties us to one another and to creation. For in order for this bread to come together together, you had to be able to grow the wheat that was in the soil that used photosynthesis with the sun 
the rain, the water, the microorganisms. You'd have to have a farmer who would go and harvest the wheat. You had to have the yeast that was willing to rise this bread, the distributor, the people that Alicia would have needed to learn how to bake bread from to bring it here this evening. When you eat something, you never bite into just one thing. You bite into the whole world. To eat is to enter intimately into the lives of others. And the task of eating in that case is for us to be able to receive that communion that God has given us, receive membership with one another, and live into it compassionately, kindly, truly. The creation of humanity begins, right? The training ground on which humanity is established is the garden of Eden, the garden of delight. And certainly within that garden, there's something that inspires our devotion to be able to tend and keep. But there's also something about gardens that leads to curiosity, that leads to wonder, that leads to celebration. When we're able to garden well, creatures are nourished, they're well-fed, the world is received as a blessing, and God is glorified. Gardens are that place where we smell and touch, see and hear the depth of our membership, of God's love for us, and of the way that we can image-bear God into the world. The problem, of course, is that sin breaks that intimate connection with God and the way that eating reveals it. In our world, food so often becomes something that we can control, something that we've mastered, something that we possess or that exists merely for our own sake. Food is nothing more than a source of fuel to help keep our, our bodies running at optimum efficiency. And maybe at that point, the questions rather than how ought we give thanks or praise or how can we live in humility is, is this food cheap enough or is it convenient enough? The consequence of having that kind of mentality or mindset about food is that what was once a very life-giving enterprise as life gave way to life only to indicate the abundance from which all things come now becomes a destructive death-dealing force. As many of you know in our world, the problems that are faced were certain zones and regions of soil that was once very, it was once very fertile has become depleted, exhausted, eroded. Have you ever heard of also... Um, in many of the deltas and the oceans, we have these dead zones that now exist of areas that once teemed with life, incapable now of supporting it. Or maybe just even the question of why we produce enough food the world over, and yet many of the areas that produce the food that we eat have insufficient food to feed their own populations. Or if those things are a little too abstract or heady, just even the question of why so much of the food that we're surrounded with in our world is unhealthy for us. Where it seemed in the Garden of Eden almost everything was healthy, yet one tree. Now it seems as though almost everything around us is unhealthy, but maybe one tree. One person put it this way, that the paradox of food in America is a notably unhealthy people obsessed by the idea of eating healthily. You know, to experience food and eating in this way is to live in a kind of exile. We don't know how to live on our own well into the memberships that allow creation to become a kind of home for us. 
And as a result, we find ourselves in a situation where the world's health is being undermined by so much of the eating patterns that take place. To be in exile is to find oneself in a world that is increasingly inhospitable or unlivable. But in the midst of all of that, we're offered here this moment to be able to come to this table because the communion supper restores and renews in this gift and sacrifice of the one Son of God, Jesus Christ, our creaturely communion with God and with one another in Eden. Here the Lord of all things offers His body, His own body to become food for our sake so that we might have a share in His life. This Eucharistic eating, this giving thanks eating, as strange as it seems, honors and promotes life precisely because it is the creaturely image of the divine life. It creates this culture as the Lord himself serves us, gives his life of our own service, of our own hospitality, of a kind of communion with one another. Real life ultimately is this moment that we call Eucharist a movement of love and adoration to God, a movement that reveals the meaning of all things, because Christ himself was the perfect Eucharist. This table forever clarifies what is actual real death and what is real life. Because while on the one hand so many things, and we ourselves, will one day cease our biological function, we've always known that death is above all actually a spiritual reality, of which you can partake while you, while you are still alive, and from which you can be free, while though you may be yet lying in the grave. Ultimate death is man's separation from life, which is to say from the one who gives life, from the one who is ultimately the source of all life. And what Jesus here shows us is the end to which eating was always directed which is not merely that Jesus would be absolved, absorbed into our bodies, but that by eating Jesus, we would be transformed into his likeness. The profound thing about the Eucharist is that it's not something that we simply do as an act of worship, although, of course, it is constantly that. But it's something that transforms every part of our lives, the ethical, the political, the social, because it is this moment of how we, in following our Lord, also, likewise, pour out, offer up our lives. Incredibly, the transcendent mystery of our salvation and perfection finds its center in our table manners and our eating mindset. In a couple minutes here, we're going to share a Seder dinner. It was the meal during which, as Pastor Jeff said at the beginning, Jesus explained the new covenant that he was establishing for all of creation. As such, Jesus blessed this meal in a particular way through which we are able to draw near and come to understand him. In the Seder dinner, we will celebrate the very God who from the beginning has been a deliverer, a savior, working to lead us into that promised land for which we have been made. So my hope and my prayer is that you'll be able to come to that meal in a spirit of thanksgiving, and to this table. Praying to be able to eat in a spirit that we might once and truly, forever, be able to commune with the God who we know intimately through Christ 
and to be able to exist not just physically, but also eternally in him. Shall we pray together? Lord our God, grateful this evening that you draw us into a place to be able to appreciate the gift of eating and the way that you have perfected and redeemed it in and through your Son. Lord, we pray in these moments so to feed on these mysteries in such a way that you continue to bring us to you, to allow us to live more truly and more freely as you have ought and determined us, to be knit together in this membership of all of creation, seeking, Lord, that day when you will come and make your kingdom in its home. We pray this in your son's name.